This is the Bill Simmons podcast. We are back. That wasn't. Did you think my that was a slip of the mind? Because that was serious. It's the Boris Dirk podcast. We are back, and we are finally at Max's top twenty. 23-24 NBA players. This is kind of a hybrid regular season playoff value thing that we've been doing, but we hope you've been enjoying the discussion. We've been having fun with it. We're up to Anthony Edwards at 20. Before we start, Max, how are you? I'm good. I just got out of a full day of virtual work training, which I thought was required, but turns out it wasn't. So uh, regretting life choices a little bit, but happy to re-engage my brain and life force by talking about the best players in the NBA. If you guys could work together to make this podcast go viral at some point, Max would truly be eternally grateful. And I I would too, but I think Max needs it more than ever. (laughs) Not wrong. Um, All right, well. Without further ado, we are down to the last 20 players in the NBA. We are approaching the rarefied superstar status that we're not quite there yet, but a lot of these guys get thrown around in quote-unquote superstar conversations. Tier 2 is a pretty big tier. It goes from number 7 to number 20, and I call it number 1s on deep playoff runs and elite number 2s. And now that we're getting a little further towards the top of the list, I'll kind of welcome a little bit more quibbling over individual ranks from Drew. Because like the difference between 35 and 39 is pretty minimal. But once you start getting towards like 10, 11, 12, then it gets a little bit more. I think like each step means a little bit more. But we're going to start with tier 2C, players 15 to 20, which I call elite number twos, who can be miscast as number ones. And that is 20, Anthony Edwards. I'll read the whole tier and then you can give me your reactions. 20, Anthony Edwards. 19, Paul George. 18, John Morant. 17, Donovan Mitchell. 16, Bam Adebayo. 15, Jamal Murray. So one more time, that was Ant-Man, Paul George, Ja, Donovan Mitchell, Bam, and Jamal Murray. I think all of these, if you're there, your second best player, you're in really great shape. If they're your best player, at least this season, then you're probably not getting past the second round, but all very worthy as second options. Anyone really jump out from that 15 to 20 to you? No, it feels like, I mean, jaw at 18 is, is weird to see because he was like a surefire top 12 guy the last couple of years um so obviously he has the potential to rise if he can just like keep himself out of trouble um i think i'm at a point where at least this year i'll take paul george over donovan mitchell in the playoffs just for paul george's defense and he's actually somehow struck together strung together a couple years since pandemic p where he's a really solid, reliable two-way playoff guy. And Donovan Mitchell, a couple years ago, looked like a fucking postseason killer. And he's had a couple really lackluster postseasons. But Donovan Mitchell is objectively a better asset right now for his age and what he gives you in the regular season. He just needs a a bounce-back postseason. Um, 
Jamal Murray, I don't think you can complain with him being at the top of the tier with what he just did. You expect that he's only going to get more comfortable as he distances himself further and further from the traumatic injury. Um, But yeah, I think you can make a strong argument that this is the year that Anthony Edwards should be above Donovan Mitchell, maybe Paul George. Um, But I think Jamal and Bam deserve to be 15 and 16 just for the playoff equity that they've built up now. Yeah, I think that's fair. Comparing the last year uh, of these five, I had in the same 15 to 20 range, Paul George, Donovan Mitchell, Bam Adebayo, they were all in that kind of range. Jaw was up at 11 for me last year. And I slid him back to 18. I still feel like I'm higher than consensus on him. Like I've seen a lot of rankings that have him sliding into the twenties, the back half of the twenties. I can't remember where the ringer had him. They just released their rankings today, but it was somewhere in the twenties or maybe even the thirties. Um, yeah. On, on Donovan, I, I get the bad playoffs. Um, he has, he has had some real kind of signature, playoff moments over his career but two years in a row with bad playoffs I think is concerning but in the regular season last year he was he played the best he's ever played I mean pretty by a pretty wide mark career high efficiency also upping his three-point volume and when you start talking about the best pull-up three-point shooters in the league it's Steph and then it's Dame and once you get past that I think you can make a pretty strong argument that Donovan Mitchell's the third best pull-up three-point shooter in the league, at least on high volume. Like KD's a great pull-up three-point shooter, but he's not taking four or five pull-ups a game from that range. He's more comfortable in the mid-range. Jamal Murray comes to mind as another pretty uh, very good pull-up three-point shooter. But honestly, I'd probably put Donovan Mitchell third on that list. And although he didn't have great numbers in that Knicks series, the Knicks really devoted their entire defense to taking him away. And it was really just not that many people on the Cavs stepped up outside of that. So curious to see with a little better spacing this year, if that playoff offense comes around a little bit more, I mean, he averaged 28 points, four rebounds, four assists on over 60% true shooting last season. That is, I mean, those are very strong numbers for a guard on jaw. He did have a career high in assists last year. I was going through some numbers on some of these guys without increasing his turnovers, although his turnovers are still probably a little too high. But I still go back to that for people who have him in the 20s. I still go back to that playoff run a couple of years ago that ended with him getting hurt against the Warriors. But in three games against the Warriors, he averaged 38.6 rebounds and seven assists and was just absolutely cooking everyone on that team. Uh, although Gary Payton, we must remember, was hurt by Dylan Brooks in the first game. But this year, dip in playoff efficiency. He had a really bad matchup against the interior defense of the Lakers and with a pretty hurt Memphis team. He actually shot better from three than from two in that series. But overall, yeah, I still want him in the top 20. He dipped a little bit partially from other guys just having really good seasons. And Jamal was one of those guys who passed him. And, you know, you see on social media, people call people like, regular season merchants or whatever. Jamal is the rare playoff merchant where he's been really good in the playoffs and the regular season production hasn't quite matched that. But I expect this year, the regular season to rise up a bit toward the playoff numbers, something like 24, five rebounds, six assists for this career in the playoffs. He's at 25, five and six. So I expect him to have an all-star campaign, possibly all NBA. And yeah, based on what he did in the playoffs, I had to have him at the top of this tier. I just, the last thing I'll say about this tier is that 
I would I wouldn't have Bam in it. I'd have Bam above this tier. I just best tone setter in the league, and he you know got to the finals last year, averaging seventeen ten and four per thirty six. Might have been the best defensive player in the fight in 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 the playoffs. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's I'm not gonna get into like him versus AD and some of the other beasts that were that that were doing their thing defensively in the playoffs, but. Yeah, I, I I think it's been a few years now of Bam being the rock of that team, Jimmy having perhaps the greatest peak, but Bam being like the constant presence uh, in the post defensively and like his his offense. We talked about Draymond last episode being an underrated offensive cog uh, in his on his contender team, and and I think the same can be said. Bam is way ahead offensively of any version of Draymond we've ever seen while providing a lot of the same uh, defensive advantages. Yeah. And I mean, he did a great job on Giannis in the playoffs. He's done that. Uh, uh, he's been one of probably the best Giannis defender over the course of, of his career yeah. as, as anyone in the NBA, probably him and Al Horford are, have been, have had the most success in one-on-one situations. Yeah. And yeah, it's just hard with him. Cause like the scoring just, doesn't feel great like in that nugget series when the heat offense was like bam taking 18 footers or whatever and the nuggets were just scoring at their blistering pace like it doesn't feel like he's impacting the game on offense but his impact is truly like there's a it's not just jimmy as the reason they've been in the conference finals three the last four years he is really special um i think he's like top 12 special I'd probably have him over Embiid this year. I know it sounds wild. It's just that's just my heart. Um, there's I don't have any numbers to back it up, but I I think I would take Bam over Embiid. Uh, and something really special about Bam too is that he doesn't have the James Harden two for fourteen night. I've never seen Bam lose his team a playoff game. You know, yeah. he doesn't have he doesn't have Jokic's like versatility on offense. Nobody does. Like he's, you know, he's his mid-range game has evolved. He can put the ball on the deck. Like he he does a lot of things, but he's but he's a little bit mechanical and stiff offensively. There is a ceiling, I think, to like the guy he can be um as like a, a creator offensively. Um, but he just is so deeply in touch with what he does well on a basketball court. Um and I love that unlike some guys that we're going to get to on this list still, like there are no bam nightmare performances in the playoffs because his defense is an every night thing. And he knows to stay low volume field goal attempts uh, when the shots aren't falling. Um, so yeah, I, I just love his winning DNA. Yeah. Uh, and having him at 16. Yeah. I probably wouldn't go as high as 12 because I feel like the guys above him can just kind of, carry your scoring in a way that he can't but no i mean i agree that he's one of the most impactful players in the nba uh at the we didn't really talk much about anthony edwards at 20 i've seen some people putting him like above 15 which is a little too rich for me he had a really good fiba run but also like still some of the decision making some of the the pull-up long twos you know the playmaking leaves something to be desired the off-ball defense like he's got all the makings of a superstar but I think still is going to take some time to put it together. Uh, I could very easily see him getting towards that top 10 for next year. 
I feel like cracking all the way into the top 10 may be a little bit too much of a leap, but I feel like people are a little, maybe a year early putting him at like 12 or 13 uh, compared to where I have him at 20. Yeah, it might prove smart to, to buy your Anthony Edwards stock now and put him at 15 or so because he could, like, you know, if he stays on this trajectory, like he'll probably be 15 entering next season. Um, however, he's got to earn it. Like he's got to win a round. For all the yep. shit I've been talking about Donovan Mitchell, like he's carried his teams to a lot of first round wins um, so that he can look like shit later in the playoffs. And then, <laughs> yeah, so... Yeah, we'll see with Ant, but I I think that's a pretty fair placement. You could only argue like a couple spots higher for him. Yeah. All right, next up at 14, I have a one-man tier called underqualified to be a number one, overqualified to be a number two. And that is Damian Lillard, who has been cast as a one for essentially his entire career from about his second or third season onwards, certainly once the Blazers, uh, once LaMarcus Aldridge left the Blazers. Now he's finally in a position where he has a teammate who is better than him in Giannis and Dame seems to understand that like he came in he said Giannis is the best player in the league I don't think he has any misconceptions about being the top dog on this team but I'm really curious to see what he looks like this year last year he had a lot of career highs for a guy who's been as successful as he is in his career career highs in points per game effective field goal percentage threes taken true shooting percentage free throw attempts, which was really the driver and like the increase in his scoring and efficiency. His free throw attempts last year were almost two more than any other year in his career. And a lot of times with like older players, you see their free throws start to go down as they get older, they get less aggressive and going to the basket. They don't want to take the hits. His went up and uh, that just shows, I think that he's still getting better. Uh, The offensive rating of the Blazers when he was on the court was 126 which is crazy for the amount of talent that that team had at the, or the rather the talent that they lacked uh, a higher offensive rating when he was on the court with the Blazers than Steph had with the Warriors last year, which Steph is much higher on this list, but still an impressive feat for, for Dame. And yeah, Spoiler just... alert: Steph is too high on this list. It's, <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> But he's got the most talent around him now that he's ever had. So I want to see how he looks in that context. And yeah. Okay. Put some respect on prime LaMarcus Aldridge. But uh, yeah, uh, I would have Bam above Dame. I'll leave it at that. Wow. Let's move on. All right. Another one-man tier. This tier is called Kawhi. And the player in it is Kawhi Leonard. If you could guarantee me that he will be healthy for a whole playoffs, I would probably have him at three. But you can't do that. So he's down at 13. Uh, He was really good when he played last year. He looked like damn near peak Kawhi. Maybe not quite on defense, but offensively, he looked as good as he's ever looked. In the two games he played against Phoenix, he was the best player on the court that featured KD and Devin Booker, who are both above him on this list. And yeah, there's unfortunately, the Kawhi conversation has become very simple over the years. If he's playing, he's a top five player, but he's rarely playing. And the Clippers are running out of time for this whole experiment to work. He is surprisingly young. Like he's still in his early 30s. He's younger than Steph. He's younger than KD, even though it feels like he's been around forever. And yeah, I love actually he was 34 when he was born. 
<laughs> I'd just love to see one more vintage playoff run from him. Like it looked like we were getting it last year and then it stopped. And then in 2021, it looked like we were getting it before he tore his ACL. I don't know if we're going to get it again. He's going to have one of the crazier, like all time resumes where we've talked about this before on the pod where, you know, peak Kawhi, peak KD was a real, I think a real argument, but by the time their careers are over, KD is just going to have racked up so many more counting stats and sort of total numbers than Kawhi, where it's it's not really going to be in the same conversation. But at his peak, it's like LeBron, Steph, and then KD, Kawhi as the best players of this generation, in my opinion. Yeah, uh, 2019 Kawhi is, is still way cooler to me than 17 or 18 KD, uh, just as an no individual doubt. year accomplishment body of work i would have bam above Kawhi, just out of respect for the durability um but if i thought a lot harder about it i'd probably agree with you because the ceiling with Kawhi again is all world like can go toe-to-toe with anyone else's number one guy so yeah he's still at an age where it seems like even limping Kawhi gives you flashes of 2019 Kawhi, um, yeah who also was like sort of limping when he was yeah doing what he did in the finals um yeah by the time he got to the finals he was limping off the plane i think i think his best is still yeah still he needs to be near the top all right now we are getting towards the superstars these are the guys who are like the fringe superstars most talking heads will probably call them superstars depends on your definition i call these are players seven to twelve i call them can get you to the finals as a number one and we have at number 12, Shea Gilgis Alexander. Number 11, Devin Booker. Number 10, Anthony Davis. Number nine, Joel Embiid. I'm definitely lower on him than most places, but not as low as Drew is. Number eight, Jason Tatum. And number seven, Jimmy Butler. So one more time SGA, Devin Booker, Anthony Davis, Embiid, Tatum, and Butler up at seven. So starting with Shea. I feel like you're probably going to be higher on him than I am. A lot of people have been really quick with pushing him up to seventh or eighth in the league. And I don't want to like take this time to shit on him because I think he's really good. I'm just like, I'd like to see it in the playoffs first before I put him all the way above these guys who've had deep playoff runs before. But I think when we talk about free throw rate with Dame Lillard, I, you know, and Twitter's not a real place, but people on Twitter label him sort of like a free throw merchant because of, how often he sort of gets fouled. I feel like there's different ways to getting fouled. And there's sort of like the tricks way, like James Harden, Chris Paul, Lou Will back in the day. And that way tends to fall off in the playoffs where the refs just don't fall for it as much. And then there's kind of the Jimmy Butler way where you still get fouled a ton because guys just can't match either your physicality, your athleticism, whatever physical advantages you have. And I think... Shea's going to end up falling more into that Jimmy category where players aren't falling, aren't fouling him because of like weird baiting stuff that he's doing. They're fouling him because of the way he moves and that no one can stay in front of him when he has a live dribble. Like his driving ability is insane. He's probably the best driver in the NBA. And I considered putting him all the way up at eight. I just need to see the playoff production first before I bump him up quite that high. Yep. Uh, makes sense to me. I think I'd have Bam. The way I got Bam up to top 12 was, yeah, I'd, I'd still have him above Embiid and AD, I think. Um, 
because I don't think any of these guys are the best player on a title team. And I think Bam is like a better number two. I, I, I get like durability for putting him over AD. I get your Embiid argument because Embiid's playoff fall off is like yeah. truly. I mean, he went yeah. down ten so points I, per game. I I was so so with Embiid. It's the last two years. Um, he, why did I just lose those? Okay, the last two years, um, thirty one points per game two years ago, uh, 54% effective field goal. In the playoffs, 23 and a half, 50 flat effective field goal. Uh, Last season, winning the MVP, 33 a game in the regular season on 57% effective field goal. In the playoffs, 45. Um, yeah. And average 23 and a half again. And at when he's really locked in, is still really impactful defensively. Definitely more daunting as a final uh, boss at the rim than Bam Adebayo, but mm-hmm. um, I, Bam's overall defensive product is more valuable. Um, and yeah, and and Embiid again, he's he's become less efficient. The dogs that make it to the very top of this list are the guys that stay the same or get better in the playoffs uh, on even greater usage rates. And yep. Embiid. You were saying we need you 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 really would love to see one more vintage Kawhi playoff run. Like we need the Embiid playoff run. Uh yep. it just hasn't happened yet. Uh he's he's racked up good playoff stats in lower stakes games. Um mm-hmm. and he definitely isn't a hardened type of quitter. Um, but he's wilted a little bit. Yeah, um, I mean, even against like Brooklyn last year in the first round, his efficiency was still way down from where it was in the regular season. Yeah. Like he's the opposite of Jamal Murray, just an incredible regular season player. But yeah. in the playoffs, it seems like I mean, he's always got an injury, which is like valid. But at the same time, if you're just going to be injured every playoffs, that's just kind of how we have to price it in. Yeah. Like, and the what really deserts him is the jumper, like. The three-pointer last year, 33% in the regular season, which isn't anything to hang your hat on, but at least like people will sort of pay attention when you're out there. And then in the teens, from percentage perspective for three-pointers in the playoffs. And then mid-range shots, mid-range, 49% in the regular season, 42% in the playoffs. And then long paint shots, so like that elbow jumper, shots where you're in the paint but not like at the rim, 49% in the regular season, 29% in the playoffs. So that stuff just completely deserts him for someone with his physical gifts, his size, his like potential for just like dominating physical force. There's no way that his field goal percentage should be in the forties. Like he needs to be, he needs to figure out how to use his size better around the basket. If he, if that jumper deserts him and it's not, doesn't just turn into like, a barrage of of missed mid-range jumpers. He still gets fouled in the playoffs, but he just has to figure out something for for how to car- carry over that production into the playoffs because we've just seen it every year and like he wants to be considered in the class with Giannis and Jokic and in the regular season he is, but those guys, I mean Jokic every playoffs he's been to has elevated his game. Giannis yeah. his efficiency goes down a little bit, but he's still had some real signature playoff runs. Uh, you know, getting in that second round series against Boston a couple of years ago, obviously the finals run and yeah, having Embiid down at nine for me, that's an under, that's a recognition of like, this is an MVP level 
player in the playoffs who can get you to the one seed and in a good position to make a deep playoff run. But once you get to the playoffs, there's a whole lot of guys who I trust more than him. Like if it was pure playoff rankings, he would probably be lower on this list. But because I factor in regular season two, he ends up at nine. So, and Anthony Davis, I would probably still have him over Bam. Like you said, you'd take Bam over him. Uh, I think from an offensive perspective, AD is a more dominant player. I get the durability argument, but also defensively, I think when AD is healthy and engaged he's the best defensive player in the league like i'd probably take him over bam if i knew that he was healthy so i think just from the ceiling perspective i'd take ad for that reason uh i mean he totally shut down both the grizzlies and the warriors you want to jump in at what point is availability and toughness a skill listen up turn on the tiktok camera you can clip this um if you want to hear about how Anthony Davis is still very underrated and he's way ahead of everyone else in this tier and like deep state stuff on his defense, which is a lot of it's deserved because he's an elite defender, go pay for someone's Substack because the blog boys will tell you that. But on this free podcast, I'm here to tell you that I would rather go to war with Bam Adebayo than Anthony Davis every fucking day of the week and it's not hating on ad it's just like love for the consistent toughness and durability that bam has been able to provide um the last thing i'll say about this tier is that i believe this is the year that shay and devin booker will be more valuable than jimmy butler in kind of like a regular season plus playoffs package Mm-hmm. Um, I think partly just because of where the Suns and Thunder are going versus the Heat. I would expect Devin... I, so if this is a prediction rankings, which it is in my mind, I would have Book and SGA probably at the top of this thing. Um, but I think the tier makes a lot of sense. Yeah, the I did have some trouble with... And Tatum, I don't know. He rolled his ankle when he was... in the On the most important night of his season... He rolled his ankle in the at the beginning of the first quarter. What was it? Did he roll his ankle in game seven? Yeah, game seven yeah. against the Heat. Um, and we didn't get to see what what he was gonna bring that night. Um, yeah, and he had 50 so points. The jury's out. And he had 50 in game seven against Philly, but then also had some performances where you were like, is he healthy? Like, what's going on with him? Especially those first few games against Miami. He's really hard to figure out exactly where he goes because the I, I feel like the idea of him is better than the reality of him. Like yeah. he, he is the platonic ideal of a basketball player, like a 6'10 wing with a pretty good handle, a good jump shot who can be an elite defender. But somehow when it all comes together, there's just like a little piece missing. I don't know if it's a mentality thing or a playmaking thing, but like yeah. whatever separates him from that true top five status and I mean, I have him at eight, so I still really like him as a player, but I, I've seen a lot of lists that have him more up towards five. And maybe he's still getting better and there's still leaps that he has to come. He is still only 19 years old, as as the kids say. Uh, but yeah, I, I think with Tatum, it's part of the reason why I'm a little loath to buy into the Boston Celtics this year. And it might be because I'm a Celtics hater. Like I, I'm I'm willing to accept the reality that that could be the case. But I just, whenever he gets into a matchup with one of these real, like, 
you know, big dog NBA players, whether it's Giannis or Steph or Jimmy, who I have right above him, I just feel like he comes up a little short. The only one, ironically, because I do still have KD above him, but the only one where he really outplayed the top dog on the other side was that series against the Nets a couple of years ago. So, and I really just have KD above for, I guess, out of respect. Like I can yeah, see- but that, that was a sweep. That was a sweep. And a lot of that, a lot of this is like, who do you want to go to war with when you're really facing adversity? Very true. And, and now I'm going to stop using the war analogy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We've reached the top six. These are yeah, the tr- and, and quick apology to Big Face Coffee and Jimmy. I already feel the gods of Jimmy Butler coming down to strike me. Um, <laughs> he deserves to be at the top of that tier until he shows real signs of aging. He's given us too much the last couple of years. Yeah, it's wild how he keeps improving into his mid 30s. Um, that series against the Bucks was just probably the most unbelievable first round series I've I've ever seen. Like the way that he just completely punked the entire Bucks team and had them looking for a team that has won a championship, had them looking like they had no experience, no playoff medal, no Drew Holiday, supposed to be the best guard defender in the NBA, looking like he had absolutely no idea what to do with with Jimmy. It was it was a masterclass. And that's why I have him at seven, even though in the regular season I'd probably rather have Tatum, Embiid, Booker, maybe Shea. But just when it comes down to the playoffs over and over again, he proves he can hang with absolutely anybody. So he had to be up at number seven. But now we've reached the top six, tier one of the NBA, the superstars. You can win the title with them as your number one. Uh, These are, I guess Tatum is the only person outside of this group who is on, who I think a a title contender. But tier one B can be the best player in any playoffs. Number six, LeBron James. Number five, Kevin Durant. Number four, Luka Doncic. I've seen a lot of lists bumping LeBron lower and lower. I still think, A, the factor of if it's a game seven and I need one player, he still might be, I guess Jokic is probably the first pick. LeBron still might be the second pick for if he's healthy and I need one game. Don't be ridiculous. I really think he still might be the second pick if I know that he's healthy and I need one game. I need Luca to be in his own tier here. Uh, just the like the young legs. Like I think Devin Booker is probably better than Kevin Durant at this point. Um, mm, that's a little spicy. Yeah i I think he's I think Booker's more valuable to the Suns than Kevin Durant. Um, and I don't think LeBron and and KD are in the same value tier as as ld and i'm not talking larry david i'm talking (laughs) luka Doncic. uh yeah just just because of the volume that luka can provide he's just like he's just a playoff lifeboat you don't need to put a lot around him he'll give your team a chance last year was disastrous for his franchise and it might be again because Kyrie's on the roster um but you get luka into the into the 16 team tournament and you have a chance, no matter who your other guys are. Whereas you surround KD with 
Luca and a subpar supporting cast, and he gets swept by. I mean, sorry, Kyrie and a subpar supporting cast. He gets swept by the Celtics. Uh, no one sweeps Luca. So, give me Luca in his own tier above those two goats, and yeah, let, let's just get into the top three because yeah, we could talk about all. I mean, six come on, guys. like, like uh, it's just that, that that we've gotten to this sort of subjective place, um, and. I don't think anyone can argue with your top two, in my opinion. It's just that that has to be the top two in that order going into this year. But I'm going to break down Max's top three because I don't want to give him the pleasure of finishing his own list. (laughs) We have reached the top three, which Max has called has an argument for being the best player in the world. First off, Stephen Curry, number three. Giannis, number two. Nikola Jokic, number one. Give me a fucking break with Steph having an argument to be the best player in the world. If anything, like, Luka should be in this top three tier. Um, I think it's Jokic and Giannis and then everyone else. Um, But Steph has no place here. But sure, make your case. I'm willing to hear the argument that Steph should be down in the can be the best player in any playoffs tier. Yeah, I still think, though, that I'd want him at three over Luka, over KD, over LeBron. Um, Jesus. We saw in that first round series against Sacramento, he had an all-timer in game seven. That Warriors team was just weird this year, and he just kind of kept them afloat. He's still at the top of his game as far as shot making. He's getting better as a defender, better as an interior finisher, stronger. And I still think that when you're talking about offensive engines, like just having this guy on your team, what does he do for your offense? I think the three best engines now are Jokic by a pretty significant margin. Yeah. And okay. then I'd say, and then I'd say Steph and then I'd say Luca. And Luca, I feel like you just have to ding him for the way last season went. I still have him at 4. I've seen a lot of people ding him a lot more, put him closer to the back half of the top 10. I think he's still just a singular talent and I agree with you. You get him into a playoff series and he is liable to win four games by himself. But Steph, I think, has the easier to play with factor that has to matter for something. I think he makes other people better in a way that Luka doesn't. He buys into the defensive end more than Luka does. And that's why I give him a slight but clear edge over Luka, but definitely would have him behind both Jokic and Giannis. Yeah, um, it's not a knock on, like, Steph as much as it's the fact that Luca's in his mid-20s and Steph's going to be 36 in next year's playoffs. And so I'd just be a little scared betting on getting, what is it, 2022 title Steph. Um, it's not a crazy bet. It's just one that I'm not willing to make. So I'd have Luca above him. Um, but I'd have Jokic and Giannis as the only two guys with a remote argument to be the best player alive. Um, and I think Jokic very clearly, as you said, has that belt right now. 
Um, but Giannis's two-way presence gives him a chance to get back in the conversation this year. Funny enough, top six players this year, exact same players as my top six last year, just in a different order. Last year, I had one Giannis, two Luka, three Steph, four Jokic, five KD, six LeBron. So five and six is the same, but that sort of Rushmore at the top has just sort of all shuffled around. But I think with Luka and Steph, you have to take into account what happened this last season with just how disastrous the season was for Dallas. And I think Luka bears a decent amount of blame for that. And that's why I pushed him down to the bottom of that four, who I think are the clear four best players in the league. LeBron and KD, when you're comparing them to younger guys like Tatum or or Booker, SGA, sure, those guys might be more valuable over a whole season. But I still think in a playoff setting, KD and LeBron are going to strike more fear into the hearts of defenses than any of the guys below them. And if we're doing just like a, a pure seven game series ranking going into it with the guy healthy, those guys, KD and LeBron are closer to the one, two, three discussion than they are to the guys below them. So the one, two, three, four, Jokic, Giannis, Steph, Luca. They've got the combination of reliability, like playoff bona fides, and then or bona fides. I never know how you're supposed to pronounce that. Yeah. And uh, yeah, at one point or another, have have dominated playoff series against other supposed superstars. So yeah, and I don't think there's any argument anymore. I think Jokic is the best player in the league, but you can make an argument for Giannis. Yeah. Um, no, I just want to brag about the fact that I had Jokic number two last year. Very clearly above Luka and Steph. Um, yeah, you were right. I was a little too slow on the Jokic train. I thought, and we should probably talk a little bit about Jokic since he's number one on this list. Although uh, the listeners all know how good he is. But... Jokic, Jokic is so good that I genuinely don't know what to do with Kevin Durant this year. Because like KD was really good in that series against the Nuggets. But it, like Jokic was better than... Booker and KD put together like it's like and like Steph like you said Steph was amazing in that Sacramento series and had some real moments against the Lakers but the Lakers kicked the shit out of the Warriors AD was so good defensively the Lakers were rolling they just had a deeper stronger roster um and LeBron was really good against the Warriors too but it's like some of these guys yeah it's it's just a weird it's a weird year where it's hard for me to gauge um, where to place some of these guys who are like easily top 15, 20 guys of all time. Yeah. And we're going to do some more like season preview stuff in terms of just like, you know, who we think is are going to be the good teams this year, things like that. And Jokic just makes me like, like with the Suns, any, I feel like any other era of basketball, you look at the Suns and they've got, Durant, Booker, Beal, all like high-level jump shooters, high-level pull-up shooters. Like they should be an awesome offense. But then you think about it going against Jokic and it's like, okay, Jokic and the players around him on the Nuggets mean they're going to have an offensive rating of like 120. So how yeah. are you How are you going to keep up with that? If you're shooting, you know, pull-up twos at the rate that the Phoenix Suns do, you have to shoot 60% on twos to match a 120 offensive rating. And it's like, uh, KD's done that over the course of the last couple of regular seasons, but then you get to the playoffs and 
he's not quite at at the same level efficiency wise because no one no one can shoot sixty percent on pull up twos. These guys can't even can't even be as efficient as Jokic while sharing the usage rating. It's like it's like the Nuggets have one running back who, if healthy, which he has been, is better than like the pro bowler by committee thing that the Suns are doing. Yeah. (laughs) Like it's like the Suns have the second through fourth best running backs in the league, but there's just one Adrian Peterson. There's one LT who just like, it doesn't matter. He's better. And, uh, and he also does it in a way where he has the ball for so little time too. like, he's has his fingerprints all over the game, dominates offensively. And yet, like by superstar standards, barely touches the ball compared to someone like Luca or even someone like Giannis, who had really high usage last year with Middleton out and not having many weapons on that team. It's just going to be like a a problem that I'm kind of fascinated to see how NBA teams solve this year, where it's like the Nuggets offense is truly when they have Murray, Jokic and shooters around it is truly unstoppable because it's either you're giving up like a 65% look to Jokic from the mid range, or you're giving up a Murray pull up three or cut to the basket, which is a really high percentage shot, or you're giving up a wide open three to a 40% three point shooter. And I'm fascinated to see whether teams try to counter that by like trying to outscore them like the Suns are trying to do, which seems like it's just very hard to outscore them and post a more efficient offense than them or to try to stop them, but there's no one who can guard Jokic one-on-one in the NBA. And if you double him, he's the best passer in the NBA and among the best passers I've ever seen. It's literally like you put, you combine Dirk with Steve Nash, which are like two of the best offensive players of all time. And you just put them into the same body. Like that's kind of what we're looking at with him. This has been the Boris Dirk podcast. We will be back soon with, Uh, a league pass draft of the 14 lottery teams from last season teams that did not make the playoffs. And we're also going to give you our straight up standings predictions for the upcoming season. One through eight in both conferences, maybe a little play in action. We'll be back soon. Peace.